Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Wars Fun for Everyone, especially me. I'm your host, host Tom Sutton. All right. Um, I have just been out for a nice bike ride. And um, man, the sunset was beautiful tonight. It's funny here in Sweden, you get this like, of course, you know, midnight sun kind of experience. Even in the south, in the south of Sweden, you still get that to uh, some extent. It's good stuff. All right, um, we are, of course, going to get into part two of our joyous Phantom Menace commentary, <laughs> depending on your uh, point of view on that one. Uh, but before we get into that, a couple of things. Uh, you may have seen a trailer for a newly announced game, Star Wars Squadrons. It seems to be basically a... Um, an aerial combat game. It makes me wish I still played video games. Um, I stopped playing video games back in about 2006 when I joined Church of Misery and decided I needed to play more guitar. Um, but, uh, man, that looks cool. And w what I have heard is that it is available as a VR or you can play it uh, as a VR game. Imagine that. Imagine that you can actually like sit in an X-wing cockpit and you look around and it's like you're actually in the cockpit of an X-wing. That's the dream, everybody. That is the dream. So, congratulations to all of you who uh, have gaming consoles and haven't given up on the video game lifestyle. I'm a bit jealous. Uh, what else? Um, yes, Star Wars Celebration has been cancelled. Uh, instead, they will uh, have the next one in 2022. Obviously, 2022 is the year that um, they have picked for the release of the next Star Wars film. Not sure what shape that'll take just yet, but um, yeah, makes sense, of course, in the current situation. Not much they can do about it. Uh, makes a lot more sense to hold it in 2022 than next year, for example. So I think that's a that's a good uh, good um, good decision. Um, I have to assume that there was there was probably a ton of um, uh, announcements and stuff planned for that event, as there always is, and. Um, you know, for all of us not living in the U.S. or without the budget to get there, um, I guess it's it doesn't make that much of a difference. But uh, what we may be able to still look forward to is um, a bunch of announcements. And I get the feeling like uh, whatever the, f the first new film of the next phase of Star Wars, whatever that's going to be, I think could very well get announced uh, in August, when the celebration was supposed to be. Um, although, since uh, celebration is off, they may want to spread out all their announcements much more than they would have otherwise. I guess we will see. I've seen some uh, rumors flying around out there about um, the extent of the uh, the kind of the television Star Wars galaxy. Um, how those uh, TV shows are going to work together. That's very interesting, actually. Um, I think that's... Uh, I like the sound of that. A lot of potential. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to throw up the warning again. If you uh, are a fan of The Phantom Menace and don't want, it, or don't want your enjoyment of it spoiled by some six-foot-tall dickhead from Australia. This might not be the... Uh, the um, this might not be the uh, podcast for you. Um, I'm going to, of course, talk as much as I can about the stuff I like about this movie, but there's a bunch I don't like. But it's all good fun. So here's the warning. 
If you don't want your fun spoiled, look away. But if you don't mind a bit of gentle elbowing in the ribs to the Phantom Menace, then uh, yeah, let's do it. Part two. So um, where where are we up to? I'm going to just check where we're up to in case you need to. If you... Ah, I did it again. I swear to God, the the stop and pause buttons on my Blu-ray remote control are in the to- like totally wrong place. I don't know. You know, like we've all been using um, remote controls <laughs> like our whole lives at this point. And there's a kind of a an, in, an instinctual position that they should like certain buttons should be in. Every time I go to pause a blue uh, like a Blu-ray that I'm watching, I end up hitting the stop button. Oh, it is so super annoying. All right, we are at one hour thirteen minutes and thirty-seven seconds. So if you want to sync up, that's it. All right, what it is? We got. Um, we got uh, Anakin being a bit unsure about leaving his mum, naturally enough, and his mum reassuring him that it's the right thing to do as Qui-Gon looks on. Um, yep. Now, like, I think last time I got a little, like, during this whole long Tatooine section, just, I basically ran out of stuff to say. Like, it was so, like, it's so... It's a, such a long section of the film that is basically just getting to know Anakin and this like very long convoluted kind of like story of how they get him off this planet basically. I, it, but I thought this is a good opportunity to talk about one thing that really like to this day confuses... Oh, there's a slinky. Oh, I never saw that before. Huh. Uh, it still confuses me. What was the Trade Federation trying to do? Like, hang on, I'm going to come back to that thought. This is a nice scene. Steel Saunders, one of my favorite podcasters of all time. This is his favorite moment in this film. But where um, Anakin and the mum are saying goodbye and Anakin turns back, turns around and runs back to his mum. Because he's uh, he doesn't doesn't want to leave, and uh, Steel always says that as a as a dad, it really hits him in the feels. I can imagine, that, yeah, it is. It's a nice. This is a nice moment. Um, yeah, Vanilla August, awesome. Hmm. I'm really glad they picked her for this for this role. She's fantastic. Um, yep. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Uh, yeah. What what exactly were the Trade Federation trying to achieve? So there's there's like turmoil over the, over the taxation of trade routes. All right. So they feel like they're paying too much tax on these trade routes. I guess. Okay. So they block blockade Naboo to try to get Amidala to sign some treaty. What? What is, how does that help them? And then when Amidala escapes and gets back to Coruscant and tells them, that, you know, Coruscant, the, the Senate that this is happening, they then deny that that's even happening. What's, what's the treaty? What treaty? To hand over Naboo to the... Okay, this is one of the best moments in the whole prequel trilogy. Maul swooping in on Anakin. Anakin drop. Maul, like, just... Like, they've sped up that film. I understand that, but it looks super cool. The way that Maul flips off his speeder and is already swinging at Qui-Gon before he even lands. Vicious. I mean, this is... People always talk about the Duel of the Fates duel. But this is fucking killer. I love it. It's not very long, <laughs> sadly. But 
like, I mean, it's cool. The setting is cool. The dust flying everywhere is awesome. Maul just comes across as so merciless. Super good. Again, this ship's like hangar is like there's not a speck of dust on the whole in the whole place, which just to me doesn't look like Star Wars. Hmm. This is, of course, a, a moment of great historical impor importance. Anakin meeting Obi-Wan. I don't know. I just... I can't buy into this version of Anakin's character, so I just don't care. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, yeah. So, they they want... Amidala to sign this, this uh, treaty... Like to to hand over like control of Naboo to them. How does that affect the taxation of trade routes? Like, I just feel like none of that makes sense at all. All right. Got Jar Jar taking a nap. We got Padme dressed as a handmaiden. We got Co Bibble with the death toll. It's catastrophic. Even though we haven't even seen a single Naboo person mistreated in any way, shape, or form. I think someone, like, I think one of the battle droids kind of bumped CO Bibble with a blaster. That was pretty vicious, mate. Pretty vicious. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just weird to me, you know, choosing to put Anakin at this age and then you've got this, like, they're kind of, like, building their relationship here, Padme and, and him. and But it's like, it's, she's 14 and he's a kid, like, ah, I don't know. Natalie Portman looks amazing, though. This out, This velvet hooded thing is really good. Nice to see that in, uh... High def. Here comes the Chapor snippet. Any fans of the Chapor snippet out there? Mm, I don't know. It's so weird. Like, I don't. It's I don't know. Like, I've watched a shit ton of Star Wars recently, and this. Um, just like the, the kind of stiffness or the pacing of this just feels, just isn't in line with the original trilogy or the sequel trilogy or the standalones or the Mandalorian. This is nice. Uh, the Naboo starship, the uh, approach to Coruscant. I mean, Coruscant, what, it's such a cool concept. The entire planet is just one big city. That's great. Get to see uh, Palpatine and Chancellor Valorum. Nice to see these um, these Imperial guards. I guess it's like the the uh, they're the like bodyguards for the Chancellor, and how they are. You know, visually speaking, they seem to be the precursor to the Imperial guards that you see protecting the Emperor in Return of the Jedi. Very ceremonial, ceremonial looking. But it's, yeah, again, it's like more, more stiff conversations, stiff characters in stiff surroundings. Amandala, who is not actually Amandala, I guess it's Kira Knightley. I don't know. Anyway, she looks amazing, and that's another great outfit. I mean, actually, Palpatine looks fly as hell. Man, Palpatine's good. Can't go wrong with that guy. Hmm. Nice to see Terrence Stamp. I mean, that guy. He's always a, a welcome inclusion in any film or. Uh, Anything, basically. <laughs> Look at that driver. I never noticed the driver of this uh, speeder before. 
What a handsome creature. <laughs> nope. I mean, uh, okay, of course, it looks good, but it is 1999 CG, clearly. They've, I mean, when you compare this to modern stuff or the genius of stuff like Blade Runner, I mean, it's, it, I mean it, to me, it's very influenced by Blade Runner, which in turn was influenced by Star Wars, obviously. All right, we've got Palpatine's quarters, I guess. Lots of red everywhere. Ah, good, good symbology. That's excellent. But it is another stiff conversation between stiff characters. So that means time for some uh, herbal tea for me. Man, I wouldn't mind. I would like them to lend me some of these outfits just to wear in my daily life. I feel like my, my own outfits are pretty boring when I'm watching this movie. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Political business. All right. It is like like I said, it's when we're living in an like the current era where the new films are so much closer to the kind of like excitement and swashbuckling energy of uh, of the original trilogy. This kind of it's kind of like stiff political drama. It's not dramatic. I don't know. It just feels like. And here we go. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Like, I have to apologize. I'm trying not to be negative, but here we are in the Jedi Council. I just... This was so... Okay, let's talk about the Jedi. People have pointed out that whether we like it or not, this is not really supposed to be the Jedi at their peak. Or they are kind of at their peak, but they are just about to fall. So, but when I see, like... So, to me, like... The Jedi that we knew and loved, Obi-Wan and Yoda, they were... There was such a naturalness to them. They were in natural environments. Um... And to see the Jedi Council just being like this incredibly cold clinical tower on Coruscant, it just is this what the Je is this what the Jedi was? Not in my head, Canon man. Sorry, this is not at all how I would have liked it. And the design on the on the Jedi Council members, I mean, they look. Goofy as hell. I mean, Mace Windu looks cool. Plo Koon, I've come to like. Uh, Kia D Dickhead Mundi. <laughs> He's all right, I guess. But um, that, what's his name? Um, Pumba Pumba Yay or something. I don't know. The the one who's just like has this bizarrely long neck with this bobble head on top and then it's like like the snake beard guy I like I'm I'm not confused about the fact that you know the Jedi you know were not all human they you know I'm sure there were different races that became Jedi but um I think there should be a like a um an elegance or a kind of dignity to them <laughs> the Jedi on that count look ridiculous Sorry, they did. But the ha those handmaidens just now look amazing. There's actually a book that deals with like uh, Queen Amidala and her handmaidens. Seeing this movie now makes me want to read it, actually. I wouldn't mind a bit more handmaiden action. All right, the Galactic Senate. Pretty cool concept. When you think about how many worlds must uh, be involved in the re in the Republic, in, you kind of, okay, I guess this is how they dealt with it, like... This, like, 
hundreds or even thousands of Senate pods. But again, it's like, is, is this how Star Wars is supposed to be? Like, I don't know. I mean, George was into this, I guess. I think it's too far out of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. I mean, having said that, like, if if it, if it had been done really in a really cool, impactful, dramatic way, I think I would have bought it. Like if it was if it was like House of Cards but Star Wars, then I I would be into it. Oh, it's just nah. Sorry, I don't I don't need to see this this like Senate business. It drives me crazy. I like that look from uh, Amidala. That very sorrowful look. That's nice. But, man. I don't know. This rewatch is not helping. Mm. Yeah, and it keeps going. Oh, my God. If the Rise of Skywalker is, like, way too fast and packed with... packed with stuff, this is the exact opposite. Hmm. Terence Stamp, not happy about that. But he, I think he could see it coming, really. There's the ETs. Ha, ha, ha. But really, there's this, like, fuzzy look to all this, you know. That is, um, you know. This is not a bad little section. This conversation between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. But uh, I think people have pointed out that so much of the dialogue in these films is just basically characters just walking slowly and then stopping somewhere and looking out a window and talking more, which is accurate. Again, the, the, the Jedi Council... They're just not likable. Like, I think before the prequel, prequels came out, to be a Jedi, that sounded like literally the coolest thing in, in like, that you could possibly imagine. And then, <laughs> and this, I don't know, like, how they're portrayed in the prequels just makes them so stiff, unlikable, goofy looking, like... Man, I would really love to see, like, so, you know, people are probably aware that there's going to be, you know, in the books and comics and whatever, it's going to be um, a new era introduced, the High Republic, which is 200 years before this film. Um, that's going to be the Jedi at their, you know, at their, at the height of their powers. Could be cool to see. Hopefully they're portrayed as being a bit more, um, yeah, warm or like uh, with some actual wisdom to them. Uh, again, like when, you, when you're cutting between Amidala and Jar Jar, like she looks amazing and Jar Jar looks like a video game cutscene. That's the thing, like, when you look at the, uh, like, I can't, oh, my God, I can't believe, like, a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. That has been memed to death, but I, I like it, though. It's funny when sometimes you, like, people who um, defend the prequels, they're like, yeah, yeah, they're not that good, but they're really they're they're great for memes. So that's why I like them. I'm like, yeah, but that that doesn't mean that they are good. <laughs> Sorry, man. I, I'm giving the costumes a ten out of ten. 
I don't know. She now she decides she's gonna go. Decided to go back to Naboo. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure what the point of that is. Like. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. I, this, the whole plot of the like the the trade federation and the treaty, and then what is Palpatine? He orchestrated a blockade to cause, but I don't know. Super confusing. I love how Sam Jackson's all just like throwing down total just disrespect basically. Nah, not training him, mate. Too bad. Nah. Nah, he's dangerous, mate. This dude with the long neck is in the background of like every fucking shot in the, like of the... <laughs> Of the Jedi Council, it's like, just looks so stupid. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. There's just it's just like boring talking. It's sorry. Okay, you heard the warning. Negativity. It's happening, but it just this drives me crazy. Like, how can you watch the new films and think that the prequels are better? Like, can, it's it's just like scene after scene of just like non-fun <laughs> this is not Star Wars fun for everyone hmm. we're going to get into some really good moments later of course alright here we go one of the most um, controversial moments or conversations in Star Wars history. We're about to uh we're about to hear Qui-Gon drop some uh drop some midichlorian action on Anakin here. Ah, I mean Qui-Gon's cool. It's nice to see him. Like it looks he looks like he really looks like a classic you know, what you imagine a Jedi to look like. But, oh, man, come on. That is bizarre to me that George thought that this midichlorian thing was going to work out. I'm just going to have, I'm just going to talk to R2 so I can get through this scene. Hey, R2. <coughs> Did you know that I made uh, some amazing spicy satay sauce tofu and vegetables for dinner tonight? Well, I did. It's one of my specialties. I haven't made it for a while, but it was pretty good. Okay, I'll give you some if you're if you're good. All right. Here we go. We're we're getting on the ship. Jaja's doing all the visa going home, and then and the flying, and then the hyperspacing, and then, and then there's the Naboo again, and then and there's more. This looks cool, though. I mean, I know that like the Naboo stuff was shot in Italy for episode two. I'm not sure if this is also Italy, but it's gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah, I like the Nemorians. Bring them back. I guess they were in the Clone Wars. That was cool. 
See, like this, uh, this scene here, here with Anakin, like getting a few tips on how spaceships work. This is it, like with Ray, with people going like Ray's a Mary Sue. Hey, get fucked. <laughs> if you, if you think that, then get fucked. Seriously, um, I got no time for sexist bullshit like that. But like Anakin, like in this movie, he just like gets chucked in a starfighter. He's never flown like a spaceship in his life, and he not only like survives flying around in it, but you know, but manages to blow up a ship by accident. You go, it's the will of the force. But if you're gonna call Ray a Mary Sue, it just makes you. It just is obvious that you're like, men should be like the heroes. Men should be the center of films and of stories in our culture, and women shouldn't. That's what you're saying. All right, you. <laughs> this is. Look <laughs> at This is some awkward shit. And this is like, oh, Ewan was having a total fat face day with this puffy hairdo. Oh, Obi Wan puff hairdo was just maxing hard. It's crazy. He looks so good in uh, episode three. Super handsome, super suave. But this was a pretty rough look for him. All right. Jar Jar, he's getting out of the lake. Apparently all his mates have disappeared. That's too bad. I think I want to be a, one of Padme's handmaidens. Seems pretty fun. You just kind of stand around in the background looking cool. Hmm. Quite like those Naboo Starfighter uh, pilot outfits. Naboo, that was a that was a stylish uh, civilization. This is pretty cool. You know these giant statues lying in the lying in the swamp. But this was another one of those like kind of like plot points that feels so like like weirdly put together. This whole like this is her like decoy, but then Natalie's the real one. But it's that's been obvious to the viewers from the first second. And like did the Jedi must have known, but I don't know. It just feels messy again. Or like pointless. Boss Ness. I don't know. Oh, I remember back in ninety nine we were all so excited to have new Star Wars. And our friend Tanya, or Tanny as we used to call her, had never seen any Star Wars movie. And she was like, all right, I guess I have to find out what all this, all the fuss is about. And she went, came to episode one with us. I think it was on like my sixth viewing or something. And she was just like, <laughs> I don't get it. Eh, understandable, really. I guess this kind of thing of the, uh, you know, the quote unquote civilized Naboo kind of... Uh, Kneeling and asking help of of the Gungans, I guess the Gungans like uh, representing indigenous cultures and stuff. This is a you know kind of nice. Boss Ness doesn't really take it very graciously though. God, he does that thing. It's gross. I don't know. I just feel like the actual fun scenes or exciting scenes are so, like, so far apart. It's like so much just talking. I mean, like, of course, talking is good, but but damn, Darth Maul looks amazing. What do you say to that, Artu? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that gun gun looked really like 90s video game. PS1 level. <laughs> Alright, this is not very exciting, so here's a bit of news. I got a Star Wars tattoo, finally. About time. Thanks, Teresa. She gave it to me for my birthday. That's awesome of her. She uh, she is the artist also, of course. I got the Rebel Insignia. Good to finally have some Star Wars art. Now I'm kind of hungry, hungry for a bit more. Alright, now we got some planning... More talking. Yep. It's weird, like, like, I wish I liked Padme. I wish she was cool and fun and awesome. But it's like, I have, I've been thinking about that character. To be honest, there's almost no moments in all three in any of the three movies that make me go like "fuck yeah, Padme." Woo! There's one line in Episode Three, so this is how Liberty dies with thunderous applause. That's a great line. I think it's a great moment for her. There's a moment in this film where she blows the head off <laughs> a battle droid in a really satisfying way, but the rest of the entire three films I find her character so yeah I don't know I'm going to keep repeating myself if I keep saying the words dull and uh, unlikable but yeah that's just how I feel sorry and then every time Palpatine's on screen you just go like woo yes god he's like such a great character, and Ian McDermott, 10 out of 10 all the way. Like even, at, even at his least amazing as Palpatine, he's still super great. Alright, this shot of the Gungans coming out of the misty swamps. That was, of course, used in the, um, in the trailer. The legendary tra first trailer for this film. Yeah, still looks cool to this day. But this battleground, which is just basically... A, like flat video game, green grass, surrounded by some video game hills. Oh, I don't like any of this. I don't like the Gungan technology. I don't like the Boombas. Those whack energy shields. This is a cool shot, actually, with the droid tanks coming over the ridge. But again, it's like... It's like this featureless green void, kind of. Like... Why does it look like that? And just like the least cool battle in the history of battles is like battle droids, which are zero coolness, versus Gungans, which are like minus a hundred coolness. <laughs> oh, rough! It's really rough. All right, here we go. Got some action happening finally. That's nice. Oh, but again, like this, like this kind of like leisurely lightsaber swinging. I just think that George's time away from directing films was is very evident. I don't mind this. This kind of looks like it was like more of a proper set rather than a CG environment. Like the ships and stuff have a real shine to them. I think they were actually practically made ships, which looks cool. Nice to see these like yellow R2 units to match the the color scheme of the Naboo fighters. Super nice. 
I mean, the Nabu Fighters, oh, what a cool design. Again, I said it last time, but Doug Chang, take a bow. You are awesome. Actually, Doug Chang, I love Doug Chang. What a charming man. And what a talent. It was a bit sad, actually. Like, I read in... It was some art of book, I think, recently. Oh, this is cool when that Naboo fighter just plummets to its destruction. Anyway, Doug Chang mentioned that when they started the design process for episode one, they, of course, like, well, all right, we're going to do Star Wars. So they were doing everything in the same kind of use universe look and the kind of blocky kind of geometric shapes that you you know that you're used to and uh, apparently George was like no nah, I don't want this I want something I want it to look really different I want a lot more you know a lot of lot more kind of uh, round not round what would you say flowing shapes and clean uh, clean design designs and whatnot and um, so they had to change tack pretty quickly to get in line with that and it's a bit unfortunate because I love the original trilogy design so much and the look and of course everybody does alright this mechanism for deploying the battle droids it's fine ugh I hate these shields purple ugh this blue like blue and purple everywhere it's to me that's not really Star Wars sorry I don't mind these Nemoidians though. They're pretty good. But again, it's like just this... These two armies that we don't care about just marching towards, towards each other. Sorry. Nope. Not fun. He's like, I mean, that's so weird that like, flowing, throwing these, I mean, I feel stupid even saying it, a Boomba, throwing the Boomba, they're throwing Boombas right now, okay, that's what, that's what I'm trying to tell you people, Jaja's, okay, Jaja's trying to throw a Boomba, that's great, um, ugh, glad that's ugh, over, at least for the time being. I think we're about to get into some good, good business. Here we go. Here's the money shot for the whole film. Mm. Darth freaking Maul. Eyes blazing. Hooded. Everyone bails. The Jedi are like, we got this. They don't even know why they're fighting, really. But they know that that's what they're supposed to do. The droidicas droid droid turn up, making life difficult for the Nabooians. They are a cool design. I like these little uh, the little symbols uh, next to the cockpit on the Naboo fighters. It looks really cool. The double-bladed lightsaber is revealed. Ray Park launching... Uh, I mean, this is... Doesn't matter what you think about the rest of the film. It is definitely... It can lay claim to being the best... Um, the best lightsaber battle in the in the whole saga. I mean, here's a cool story. Uh, at Star Wars Celebration Japan in 2008, um, my friend Mickey the Hutt and myself got... A photo with uh, David Prowse and Ray Park together. The two darts. That was a super fun moment. And Ray Park was a great interview on the, on the, on the stage. Um, yeah. Here we go. Anakin can, of course, fly a star fighter. He's not a Mary Sue, though, is he? All right. Oh, when, like... Maul just like uses the force to fling that bit of debris at the the door's control so he can open the door and and keep backing up. The duel of the fates is raging. Ah, it's this is magic. I could pretty happily just watch this for two hours instead of the rest of the movie. 
Now, you, I, th- I, mean, I talked on a, lot, a couple of episodes ago, I guess, about you know Dave Filoni talking about um, what the duel of the fates really represents, which is that if Qui-Gon survives and trains Anakin Skywalker and pr- provides Anakin with the father figure and the, the kind of the, the structure and the wisdom that he needs to grow up, you know, healthy, basically, that uh, you don't get Vader and the Emperor doesn't succeed in taking over the galaxy. And if Maul wins, then that support structure is gone for Anakin and he's left in the hands of Obi-Wan who, despite his best intentions, finds it hard to be more than a brother to Anakin, which is what he calls him in episode three as, uh, you know, on Mustafar. Here we go. Great scene with Jar Jar and the Gungans and the battle droids. Okay. Um, I remember after seeing the film, like, I love dogfights. I love space battles. And I just remember feeling like that this, this whole thing left me pretty cold, to be honest. I just, I mean, it's partly that I just, like, I haven't been, I have, like, the film hasn't made me care about Anakin by this point, sadly. Um, uh, it's, it's cool, actually, you know, in retro- retrospect. But I guess, you know, as I said before, I'm not a big fan of these droid fighters. Hmm. I mean, you can't have X-Wings and TIE Fighters in every movie, in every set situation. I understand. you got to try something else. But, um, yeah, that was a bit... Av- it's a bit average. Okay. And we've got uh, the Queen and her gang. There's a... Yeah, Ray Park in a cameo as a Naboo uh, soldier. That's kind of nice to see. Okay, we've got these grappling hooks. That's pretty nice. We're actually going to come up... We're coming up to this, like, the moment where Amidala blows the head off a, a battle droid in, like, a really fun, stylish way. It's that kind of visual poetry that I think the sequel films are packed with, actually. All right, back to the, the Duel of the Fates. I mean, some of the some of the backgrounds are pretty, you know, CG again, but so it goes. But the choirs, mm, I mean, to this day, I still listen to the prequel soundtracks really often because I think they're just fantastic. I mean, maybe less so the episode two one, but the episode one and especially the episode three soundtracks are fantastic. Kind of interesting. They haven't seen a Sith Lord in a thousand years. They can't have like had that many actual lightsaber battles. This is maybe the first one they've ever actually been in. Any of them. Which is interesting. Alright. People, um, of course, said here like, Why doesn't Obi-Wan... They had this like force running ability... At the beginning of the film where they can run really fast, but Obi-Wan didn't use it in this section. Why not? Just, you know, movie making. But this is magic, I think, that you see the two, the difference between them. You've got Maul pacing like a caged animal, just like waiting to get back to tearing shit up. And, and uh, Qui-Gon kneels and begins meditating until he, you know, he's meditating until those um, shields open up again. That's really cool. I remember my friend James Miyazawa, actually, you know, he was studying uh, animation, not animation, uh, well, manga, manga, he was studying comic art in Japan, and I remember he illustrated that sequence because he was a fan of it. It was super nice. Really like that. 
Um, more big bumbly bumbly balls rolling around in Jar Jar and I mean I don't know what to even say about this stuff this I mean this you know one thing I love about Star Wars is just like it has cool factor which is you know Star Trek some stuff like Star Trek never had you know, I love Star Trek, but it's like, it's not cool. But Star, Star Wars is cool. The design of it, the, the energy of it, the fun, the, you know. But these, like, the Gungans and stuff, it's not, just not cool at all. Alright. Um, was this part of the plan, or? I don't know. Excellent classic uh, R2 scream there. That's nice. Uh, I mean, yeah, I've heard other people say this, but maybe having Anakin do this on purpose would have been cool. I don't know. Like, you know, when like Obi-Wan is talking to Luke about his dad and he says, like, when I met your father he was already a great pilot can you call a pod race driver a pilot really that seems like a, that doesn't really match up yeah okay duel of the fates here we go wham Qui-Gon taking off yeah I don't know I'm not sure why Obi-Wan didn't use the, the speed run there, but whatever. Movie. Movie, movie, movie. All right. It's kind of sad, you know. Qui-Gon, not my favorite character ever, but I like him. But it's just, like, I think you can, you can kind of see here that he feels a bit outmatched. And here we go. He gets stabbed by the... Darth and that that stance from Darth Maul is classic. It looks amazing. All right. Oh, and they cut back to El Boringo battle droids and whatnot. Oh. This drives me nuts. It's crazy, like, the Duel of the Fate stuff goes for, like, four seconds, and then you cut back to this other stuff that goes for, like, 30 seconds. It's just, just like, the the ratios are a bit off. I really like how the Nemodian's eyes are blinking. That's cool. Bam! That was it. Actually, it wasn't even... It's not even... Amidala who takes that shot it's her decoy but the way she blows the head off that battle droid is spectacular yep super nice yeah I guess this is good all right this is probably the peak moment of this fight. <clears throat> bam, bam. Yeah, it's so fast, it's so stylish. Apparently they worked super hard to make this uh, as good as it could be. And they, I mean, people are gonna be watching the hell out of this for years to come. Like, I think that the episode three fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin gets a little bit ballet-ish. It's over, it's kind of like over choreographed. It stops being like a, this like rode the line just where it's very, very choreographed, but it had enough energy and aggression to it that it still works. Like for me, the like, for example, like Ray and Kylo on Starkiller base, you know, it's this not a huge amount of finesse, 
but there's so much feeling and so much emotion in it and so much character in um, how they're interacting, you know, that I I don't miss the kind of, the kind of dance-like um, lightsaber battles that are in the prequels. Hmm. Yep, Anakin blows this thing up by accident. That's nice, I guess. Now this is pod racing. Whew. You know, Star Wars has some classic woos in it, but that Anakin woo is not one of them. <laughs> Sorry. Get Harrison Ford or John Boyega to drop a woo on you. And you know you've been wooed. I just, when it comes to the Gungans, I don't know how they passed the, through the design process looking like that. Alright, here we go. Ray Park looks so mad. It's amazing. He's he was a million percent the right choice for this character. I think almost everybody who saw this film in 1999 was like, "Are you kidding me? They killed Darth Maul." Already? What? What? They did the impossible. They created a new bad guy that somehow, like by some miracle, can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Darth Vader in terms of coolness and iconography. And they just chopping him, chopping him. He chopped him out. Sorry, this that's one for the obituary fans. They just chop, in, chop him in half and chuck him down a, sh a chute and they're like, Oh, what a waste. And the way he was brought back in uh, the Clone Wars was, yeah, it's ridiculous. It makes no sense, but come on. You, you want Maul back. All right. More shots of feed with no people in it. I mean, that's, that's bizarre to me. Oh, Obi-Wan with fat face again. And he's like, you're gonna have to you it looks like you're gonna kiss your kiss your trade fan franchise goodbye. And then they're just like nothing ha has happened to them by the time you see everyone in episode two. This is a nice line coming up here though. And you young Skywalker, we will watch your career with great interest. Mm. Love that. That's a nice bit of connection there. Okay, we've got some uh, cameos in the background here. Ben Burt. Uh, I was going to say Rick James, but it's the other. It's the less cool Rick. Nah, he's cool, I guess. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, this is a nice scene with Yoda and Obi-Wan, I guess. Hmm. But again, I just... I really wanted to see the Jedi in their, you know, living close to nature and kind of being living embodiments of the kind of spiritual wisdom that was such a strong part of, especially the Empire Strikes Back. Yes. People might remember that the puppet that they chose to uh, to do to do Yoda with um, was replaced with a CG Yoda, and uh, that was the right decision because that puppet sucked. Yeah, they didn't recreate Yoda well at all. 
This is a very nice scene, actually. The music is wonderful for this. This is Qui-Gon's funeral. The light is really nice. This kind of like warm light. I like that. Obi-Wan's hood is, you know, hood placement. It's not, it's not always easy to get it right. But Obi-Wan's got it really right in this. Hmm. I don't know. Sometimes, like, like in in a nice scene like this, I see like kind of glimpses of like a movie of the movie that I would have liked this to have been, if you know what I mean. Mm, I love that. But who's destroyed the master or the, or the apprentice? And you pan slowly over to uh, to Palpatine. Fantastic. All right, so we're at the end end celebration. I don't really like anything about this except for one bit of freaking genius, which is that this celebration music is basically is it's Palpatine's theme, but in a major key rather than a minor key. This. Right? Very celebratory, but it is, yeah, it's um, basically the same thing as from uh, Return of the Jedi, which, I mean, John Williams, take a bow. The man can do no, no wrong. I don't know. Like, that's kind of like the, the, um, the metal sequence or whatever at the end of uh, New Hope I guess if I saw it now I would be like man that's dorky but it's you know part of cinema history so I like it this one uh, has not had the same effect on me sadly <laughs> it's super goofy alright that's that I'm sorry I feel I feel like I got more negative than I wanted to it's, um, yeah, but you know, this is kind of like a cathartic thing once I've like made my way through the, the, the prequel films as, you know, and done commentaries for each one, then I'm like done with them, you know, like every little complaint and nitpick will be out of my system and I can get on with talking about the films that I'm really into. Ooh, something that's really exciting, actually, is... Uh, so, if you've been listening to the podcast, you will have heard me um, talk about uh, the, like, 4K... Um, not They're not restorations, but the 4K scans of, uh, you know, of original prints. So, similar to the despecialized editions, I guess. Um but the same gang have put together um, versions that uh, with where the it's basically the uh, the recently released 4K versions of the films, but uh, any scenes fe that feature you know special edition changes, those scenes have been replaced with um, stuff from the 4K um, scans. And then the whole thing's been color corrected to be closer to orig the original versions of the films. Um, so the A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back were done. Um, but I've been waiting with bated breath for them to finish uh, Disney Plus 83, as it's called, which is, yeah, that version of Return of the Jedi. Apparently, it is almost ready. So that is very exciting. I can't wait to watch Return of the Jedi in that format. Uh, I, I watched the, um, you know, 4K83, which is the 4K scan of a film of a uh, print of it. Uh, it's excellent, but after you've watched the, like the, yeah, like the the D plus versions as they're called. I mean those. 
the visual quality on those is insane. Like it, you, you see every scratch, every smudge, you know, every stitch of clothing, every varicose vein. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, but and you would think that that kind of stuff like might take away from things. Like it might reveal, you know, kind of like weaknesses in a way, in in um, or um, it might reveal. Um, shortcomings uh, in the films but I mean everything was so well made um, despite you know especially you know on the first film the budgetary constrictions that uh, I have to say those 4k versions have only increased my appreciation so uh, I'm super pumped that the Return of the Jedi one will be ready Within days, apparently. So, that would be cool to see. All right. We are not going to sit through all the uh, credits here. Thank you for bearing with me. Uh, I think that we have to do a couple of episodes of me just uh, talking about stuff I'm super into to uh, cleanse the palate. But we will get to episodes two and three. And... um, when it comes to, to the rest of the films, I feel like I would like to do them more scene by scene as I have been doing with The Rise of Skywalker. But we'll see. I might enjoy uh, invite some friends over for more commentary goodness. But we'll see. All right. Thanks for joining me, everybody. Uh, this is Star Wars Hunt for everyone, especially me. Ah!